along in this short letter. He said to rejoice in the Lord always. And if that were not enough, he said, and again I say, you rejoice. Despite everything that is happening and what you think is going on, have your mind, have your heart, have your soul and spirit focused on the Lord and rejoice in Him always. This book has all kinds of admonitions about joy and lifting ourselves up in the Lord, but it's this text right here that just kind of puts it all together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing, and, and here's the hook I want us to develop and hang on to for a while. And that is, you and I, we can rejoice. We can have this joy that is inexpressible when we empty ourselves of anxieties, and I will say, usually prompted by the world's leading. But when we empty ourselves of anxiety and we fill ourselves up with the peace that goes beyond comprehension goes beyond our understanding. Now in this text there are some clues as to those things that we can do in order to have that kind of joy. To be able to just simply in the midst of all of these negative things rejoice. You can rejoice in the Lord. And I want to emphasize that because that's what he does a couple of times in this text, but throughout this book. In fact, the New Testament scriptures are replete with examples of a continuous admonition to remember who you are. You are that person who is in the Lord, and it makes all the difference in the world. Now, Paul is writing to this group of people. I mentioned he's in prison now. You know when he went to Philippi, he was in prison there too. So his experiences don't seem to change very much. But that heart that he has, boy, that is something that was rock solid. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, when he had first gone into Philippi, and you can read the details of that in Acts chapter 16, boy, he had great success. He converted Lydia and her household, and things were looking up. But you know, the Apostle Paul is always very aware of what's going on around him. He saw this woman who was being, well, she was being used. Used by some unscrupulous individuals who wanted to take what was effectively a demon possession of divination and use it for their own gain. They were exploiting her. Well, the Apostle Paul, he frees her of that demon. Yes, let's rejoice, except those guys weren't very happy. <laughs> and so they had him and Silas thrown into prison. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul is reflecting on that because Thessalonica would be the next place they go. And it's just interesting because Paul says, man, when we were there in Thessalonica, or there in, in Philippi, we suffered and we were spitefully used. They mistreated us. So what was your attitude, Paul? Did, did you lash out at them? Did you tell them that the Lord's going to take vengeance on them? 
Well, actually, Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 tells us exactly what the mindset was. Now, keep in mind, again, mistreated, spitefully used, suffering. They're in the inner prison. Their feet are in stocks. But the text says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You know that ultimately led to another conversion. Now here's the circumstance where most people would be unhappy. Their, their, their happiness would be gone. They're frustrated. Why me, O oh Lord? But not Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, regardless of their circumstance, no emotion connected to this. They had joy in their hearts, so much so that they could express that joy in singing and in prayer. So Paul says to these brethren, you rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Have you thought much about the blessings inherent in being in the Lord? In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 beginning verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of His will according to the good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might bring together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. In Him also we have an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. God is glorified when we are in Jesus Christ. And being in Jesus Christ, I hope you notice, means that we have not just some or not a lot, but every spiritual blessing that is in the heavenly places. In verse 7 he says that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. In verse 11 he said we have an inheritance in heaven. Verses 13 and 14 he reminds us that in Him we have the blessing of the Spirit of God testifying to the reality of our relationship. Now that's beautiful. And in that, despite anything that might happen to us, we absolutely can transcend that problem and rejoice. Why? Because no matter what, I am still in Jesus Christ. I am still a beneficiary of the blessings in heaven. Now, I look at that text and I say, inheritance? <laughs> inheritance? I don't know if you've ever received an inheritance. I'm kind of wearing all the things I've ever inherited. I'm wearing this ring that I inherited from Mel Dyer. Actually, 
Actually, he left it for my oldest son, said when he was 16 years of age. I asked him if he would like to have it. If he says he doesn't want it, then you can have it, Ken. I thought, how special. <laughs> so when my son Drew was 16 years old, I said, son, uh, yeah, I've got this ring. I don't know. Probably, I don't know, not a big deal. But uh, Mel said if you want it, you can have it, but you probably don't want it, do you? Uh, no, Dad, I don't. So I wear this ring when I preach in honor of Mel Dyer. I have this chain here. This is basically the only thing left to me by my grandfather. I found it after I had lost it one time in the washing machine. Cleaned it right up, no problem. I wear that in his memory. And then a couple of weeks ago, a dear friend of ours gave me a handkerchief I now keep in my coat pocket here next to my heart. It was owned by my best friend, Tom Neal. When he died, part of me died too. But now I have this, and I just, I don't know, it gives me confidence knowing my friend is with me. You know what I mean? That's about the extent of anything I've ever inherited, except this. He said in this text, in Jesus Christ, I have an inheritance. And, and I'm remembering what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Reserved in heaven for me. Oh yeah, i got a ring, a, a tie chain, and a handkerchief. But I've got a reward because I'm in Jesus Christ that is waiting in heaven and can't be touched by anybody or anything. I can rejoice, can you? In Jesus Christ. But I can also rejoice in the Lord's constant concern. He cares about me. And this text at verse 5, I don't know if you noticed it or not, it's a little bit obscured because of the language difference between the Greek and the English. But he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. That word gentleness is a pretty interesting word because it's not the idea of just be, you know, be careful with people. Be easy with them. It has to do with a kind of release. It is almost as though you, you have become easy with circumstances. Let people recognize the ease with which you operate. Okay, so I, I look at this pandemic. There's so many people filled with anxiety. They're, they're just scared. But it's like when I see you, there is just an air of confidence about you. There is an ease with which you operate. Oh, you might be prudent. You're wearing a mask. You keep six feet distance. But there is something internal about you that kind of rises over the fear that most people are trying to manipulate us with. What's that all about? Well, he tells us right here in this text. Let that gentleness, let, let, that, let that ease with which you operate be known to all men. And he, here's the reason. The Lord is at hand. 
Now that does not mean, well, well, our mind is the Lord might return in a minute, so I'm okay. That's not the sense of this. The sense of this is that I have such confidence that the Lord is right here with me. He's near to me. I'm confident that the Lord hasn't just vacated the premises and I'm alone. I recognize God is with me every step of the way. So let people know that the ease with which you operate is a direct result of the knowledge that the Lord is right here. Now, the Old Testament, that's full of that kind of language. I was thinking about Isaiah 55, verse 6, where it says to seek the Lord while He is able to be found by you. Call upon the Lord while He is near. Oh, the Lord is right here with us. Or Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. That's a pretty famous text where we're reminded of the Lord where He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord's my helper, I'll not fear. What can man do to me? There's an implied answer in those questions. They can't touch you. (laughs) And one reason they can't touch you is you're in Jesus Christ and the Lord is just right here with us. He is walking side by side with us. Oh, the Lord watches over the righteous. That's the impression that we get from the Psalms, isn't it? Psalm 11, beginning at verse 4, it says, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, His soul hates. Upon the wicked He'll rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Ken, can you translate that for me? Yeah, very simply this. God's watching over you. He has you in His sights. You think that He's just kind of misplaced you somewhere among the other 7 billion folks? The answer is no. He knows exactly what's going on with those of His who are the righteous. I'm telling you that the Lord is with us every single step of the way. And then I was thinking that we can rejoice in a a glorious future. I I know most most people are thinking, well, what's going to happen next week? What's going to happen with the school system? You know, I'm thinking, are are we going to have school? Are we going to go in? Are we going to not go in? Are we going to go virtual? Uh, when When are the supermarkets going to open up so we just all go in whenever we want to? Uh, when is it I'm not going to have to stand in line at Walmart or wear a mask in a store anymore? I just think ahead, think ahead. Listen, you aren't thinking ahead far enough. Because if I think about the negative things that are ahead of me, that can just absolutely erode the joy that I have in Jesus Christ. I become myopic. I just look at the near things without realizing the big picture. And child of God, the big picture is this, that this life is going to end, it's going to end at some point, and then your true life, your eternal life, your spiritual life is really going to soar. And Jesus talked about the anticipation of what is coming yet. And I'm telling you, I get excited about the prospect of heaven someday. Don't you? Man, I want to go to heaven. Jesus was talking to His disciples as He was really laying out the plan 
of His crucifixion and what's going to happen next. And in John chapter 14, he could tell things are not going well, right? They've been with him all this time, and now he's talking about leaving them, and he can see it in their faces, I'm sure. So Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. For where I go, you know and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you hear that? Are you in Jesus Christ? If you are in Jesus Christ, then you are a party to the way, the truth, and the life. You are on your way to the Father. And oh, I think of all those Christians in the first century who had obeyed the Gospel and were anticipating heaven someday and really uncertain about how all this is going to work, I take it that Paul kind of had a similar situation with the Thessalonians that Jesus had with His own disciples. He's talking about a future in heaven and they're just looking like a deer in the headlights. Wait, what? Wait, what? What? How's that going to be? So Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, starting, he says, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow, as others you have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, listen, thus we shall always be with the Lord. You say, Ken, I'm in Jesus Christ. Great! Then one of these days the Lord is going to return and you're going to be with Him forever and ever. I read those texts. And of course my heart soars. I want to go to heaven. And there are a lot of reasons I want to go to heaven. One of them is what he just described. Seeing Jesus. Having you lived all your life to serve Jesus. And then that day when he comes back, oh, won't that be a day of rejoicing? Wow! But it's also that other part about bringing with him those who sleep in Jesus. I don't know who it is beside Jesus that you want to see. But I want to see Mel again. I want to see my grandpa again. I want to see Tom again. And when I do, you know what I'm going to do? I want to rejoice. But the thing about it is, I'm looking to that now. So now in this moment, despite COVID, despite the social upheavals, despite the economic uncertainties, I still rejoice because that is real. Don't be confused by what the media will tell you. Or even be confused by what you think is happening around you. At the very best, all this is just temporary anyway. But even if it went on and on, we have something that is far greater 
Because despite everything, we can still rejoice. We rejoice because we are in Jesus Christ. We rejoice because we know that He cares about us. He's concerned about us. We rejoice because of that glorious future that is ahead of us. The text says to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I will say, rejoice. Are you rejoicing? Are you thrilled with the prospect? Or have you let uncertainties, frustrations bring you down? Don't do it. Enact these passages. Hold on to these promises. Know that in Jesus Christ, there is certainty. Wait a minute. Maybe you're not in Jesus Christ. Well, that's another thing. If you're not in Jesus, you don't have any certainty. Not with God. If you're not in Jesus Christ, today's the day you can change that. Maybe you've, maybe you've been in these assemblies hundreds of times. Maybe today's the day that you decide, you know what, all this I've been hearing about Jesus is true. I believe He's the Son of God. And I want to be in Him. I want to have those promises that we read about today. Then if you do believe He's the Son of God, and you'll come forward here this morning, confess that faith before this number. You can be buried in water today. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Buried with Him in that baptism. And rise up out of that watery grave. Resurrected to new life. And you'll be in Christ. And all these other things will become secondary. As you find yourself rejoicing. Maybe you're a child of God. You, I don't know, you've given in to all this fear and anxiety. Today, I hope the text will remind you of who you really are. But if you need special encouragement, listen, we're family, right? Aren't we? We will pray with you. We will be with you in this struggle that you're having. Because as they say a hundred times a day, we're in this together. If anybody needs to respond this morning, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. Bring Christ your
Prepare our minds to the Lord's Supper. We'll sing night with Evan Pinion. Night with somebody to bring them to you. Okay. You'll notice we've got a new uh, communion supply here today. And uh, it's going to be a lot easier, I think, if you open it on one end for the, uh, for the bread and the other end for the wine. If you'll pray with me. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son. Father, we thank you for this loaf, which for us represents the body of Christ as he hung on the cross for our sins. Father, let us examine ourselves and take of it away and be acceptable to thee. In Christ's name, amen. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you thanking you for this fruit of the vine that represents the blood that Jesus set on the cross for our sins. Again, Father, we ask that we examine ourselves and partake of it in a matter be well-pleasing and acceptable to thee. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This concludes the uh, Lord's Supper. Now we have an opportunity to give back, although we do it at the table as we come in. Let us thank God for all of our material blessings. 
Father, we again thank you for our families. We thank you for our jobs and our abilities to make an income for our families. Father, we pray that we will give back a portion to you and do it in a cheerful manner because we know you love a cheerful giver. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'd like to take this opportunity along with uh, Brother Estes, welcome everyone to our Sunday morning services. Also, uh, to welcome the Forrest family. If you would, uh, you should notice an order of worship bulletin in the pew in the back in front of you. On the inside, you're going to find a, a very extensive sick list. Please remember those uh, at home in your everyday prayers. On the back, once again, uh, the bulletin does say uh, that Wednesday night, Bible classes will start August the 5th. Uh, as Brother Estes said this morning, they will not. Uh, more information will be forthcoming due to the, uh, the increase in infections. And again, that's will not. Uh, the ladies' Wednesday night class will be studying the book, uh, The Domino Effect. Copies of this book are available in the little chapel for the members of this class. Also, uh, please remain seated. After the closing prayer, we'll have a short scholarship award presentation. Uh, and we would like to remember Joan Mormon. She has an upcoming surgery. Uh, if you would, please bow with me. I'll dismiss us in prayer. And again, please remain seated. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity we've had today to gather together to worship you. Father, we pray that we will take what we have learned today, carry it out before others, that they may see you living in us. Father, we pray for everyone around the world struggling with this virus. We pray that the cure may be found soon and that we may return to our normal lives. Father, also we know we have many sick and many who are, who are having surgeries. Father, we pray that you will be with them, that you will be with their doctors, their caregivers, that they will be restored and return to their most wanted places in life. Especially, Father, we pray for Joan Mormon, Delma Sanchez, Pat Green, Edith English, June Cupper, Connie Edge, Becky West, Hannah Beard, Marlon Cox, Donald Green, and Father, there are many, many others, and you know their needs more than we do, Father. Father, we pray that you will go with us, guide us, and always keep us near thee. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. Thank you so much for your attendance today. Uh, great lesson, Brother Ken. Thank you again so very much. And I'll continue with those thoughts to, for reasons to rejoice as we, today it's my pleasure to award the recipients of the Boonville Christian Scholarship. Just a quick note, thank you so much for your generosity and giving, to, whether it's a memorial to the Christian Scholarship Fund or whether it's to our fundraisers. Thank you so much for participating and making this uh, 
possible today. We have four recipients today of the scholarship. And again, these are monitored, They're, the qualifications are monitored by the uh, committee, the scholarship committee. And it's again, my pleasure to award these four scholarships today to Savannah Martin, Annabeth Worley, Cole Sweeney, and Taylor Brazel. And again, thank you so much. I know you all see some of them. Please encourage them and thank them for attending a Christian school. Recipients, I will leave your check on the table here in front of me so you can come down and pick it up. We'll be dismissed at this time. Thank you.